Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. My name's Josh. And we would like to wish you a very big happy Halloween. Ooh. Woo! And this week Josh is going to lead the episode so I'll just let him take it away. So this is a bit of an extra episode obviously because it's Halloween so we're celebrating and I thought we would start off with a film review. This time round we watched Trick or Treat the 2007 film yeah and i think i'll give you a synopsis on this one we usually do that on on our patreon yeah film reviews like the person whose episodes it is gives a little brief synopsis don't they no it's usually the other way around oh yeah (laughs) so normally it's me yeah but i'm (laughs) gonna give you one it's shit no it's not it's just shit i really loved it i'm not gonna lie i loved it it if you're looking for horror don't watch it because it's shit but it was just nice it was like it, it was like Scooby Doo. Oh my god, horror. no! Do you know? Do you know? There's a man in it, the doctor, the teacher. Mm. When I was walking home from the train station before, I swear, I promise, there was a man who looked like the felon in it, and I looked at him twice. Like I know him, and then you could tell he was looking at me. Why is she looking at me? And it was because he looked like him. Anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, well. You know, it's not as bad as I'm making up, but the actual synopsis is a terrifying Halloween night brings a myriad of troubles interspersing in the lives of five people as they face various challenges. So what was your main bad points with this one? Because I, I came right off the bat with some bad points. You, what are yours? The main bad points, the acting wasn't very good. Um, but I honestly, I don't really have bad points because it's, I knew going into it, it wasn't going to be a good film because I've heard like it's like a cult classic. But I just liked it. I thought it was easy to watch. It was like proper old school Halloween. Do you know what it was? It mm. was Halloween's version of a Christmas film. Well, that's what I... It was like... like It reminded me a bit of Hocus Pocus, like that type of film. Yeah, it's, it's surrounded by things that are ordinarily very scary and in other horror films would be yeah. very scary, but it's not scary at all. There is no horror in it. It, it's a bit jumpy, I jump. Uh, at, at times, but even then, the actual, I said this to you at the end, mm. the scariest thing that I found about this film, they made not scary by yeah. adding extra bits to it. Yeah, it was a bit over-animated a bit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 2007, so quite modern, but the 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 girl off True Blood, didn't it? Off the vampire programme. So, it's got quite good actors, in it? Brian Cox, is it? Brian Cox, isn't it? Yeah. That surprised me. It was good. I liked it. It's easy to watch. Um, I liked it. It has like comic book stuff into it because isn't it based on like comics or something? It was saying. I'm not too sure, but it's the way it was or the the way the story goes is quite unique in a way because it, it as the synopsis says, it's about five people's different lives and five perceptions. But they're all like linked. They are all linked. The only issue, the, the concept is interesting, but the execution wasn't fantastic because. It sort of like give away what one person did and then went back in time, but without really making it clear it went back in time. No, it did. You just went watching it. It'd say like on the bottom, like six out um, earliest or six days later or something, and I'd like nudge you, but you were on your phone. <laughs> so it did. Take it back, but still shit. <laughs> wasn't clear enough for me. No, it did. You know, because it had like transitions. It'd so say. like the comic book transitions. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it that. But at the same time, even though it did tell us that it went back in time, I still don't think it was... I don't see the point. Why Why show is what someone's done, then go back in time, and then go forward in time? It's like to show them how they all connected and like why they think that way. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I wouldn't say it was like amazing, and it wasn't. it's not like up there with like 
really good horror films, but it's an easy watch, and you could really watch it with like an older kid. Yeah, it's that type of Halloween film. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not. It's like Goosebumps. Yeah, that type of horror. It's not particularly scary. No, no. So overall, I'd probably give this a 4 out of 10. I was give it a 7, you know. Okay, so we'll meet in the middle and go 4 out of 10. <laughs> well, <laughs> I liked Trick or Treat. Trick, trick or, or Treat. Or. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I watched most of it. Jo- I watched all of it, actually. Josh went on his phone. I actually didn't go on my phone once. Well, that one. is a telltale sign that it's boring the shit out of me. Yeah, but I'm always on my phone and I didn't go on my phone. I loved it. <laughs> two different people. Four out of ten then for... No, it's, it's not a four out of ten. You give in far too easy there. <laughs> far too easily. Um, let's go if you add them five up, and a half out yeah. of ten. Okay, five and a half out of ten. Okay. Recommend it. Okay. So Josh has got some stories for us now. I've got a whole fucking script. What? To start off the main part of this episode, I thought we would take a quick look at where Halloween actually comes from. And while writing this, I realised I've probably been over this before, but every year I'm going to fucking tell you where it came from. I done the Halloween one last year. Okay, well, we'll alternate. <laughs> and we'll tell you one year, I'll tell you another year. We became accustomed to it in the modern age of costumes, parties, and Channel 5 putting on mildly horror-scary films at around 9pm. <laughs> but what started this great tradition? Well, heading back to pre-Christianity days, an ancient Celtic holiday was held on the 1st of November each year. The holiday was called Samhain, and it's, this this is a tangent, but it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Did so, you Google the right way to say it? Yes, I of did. Of course, good lads. <laughs> because Samhain was going to get said yeah, all Yeah, that's why I was looking at you, I was like, is he going to say Samhain? So, and Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories will shout at you. <laughs> <laughs> right next to where I put Sam Hain. <laughs> I put in capital letters in brackets and in bright red, sa hyphen win. <laughs> she put something on Instagram the other day about people saying I think that's what prompted me, yeah. to, <laughs> <laughs> prompted me to check, I'm honest. <laughs> so going back to Sarwin. It's celebrants believed that on this day, the souls of the dead would rise and return to their homes. To combat the return of the dead, those taking part would dress up as ghouls and ghosts, along with lighting bonfires to ward off the spirits. I guess a sort of paranormal fighting fire with fire. You want to bring a spirit? I will dress up as one and set a pile of wood alight. <laughs> In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV created All Saints Day, which was originally held in May, but then later moved by Pope Gregory III to November the 1st as a sort of replacement for Sarwin. The day before this became known as All Hallows Eve, mm. or as it is most commonly shortened down to, Halloween. The holiday was very popular in its early years in the Celtic regions of Ireland. I guess because they had already been celebrating it for hundreds of years, but it soon caught on in the UK and Northern Europe. During part of the 1800s, it was forbidden to celebrate Halloween in North America due to its apparent religious purposes, but it was the influx of Irish immigrants as a result of the potato famine that spread the popularity of Halloween in the United States. It probably should be noted, however, that when North America wasn't allowed or wasn't allowing its citizens to celebrate Halloween, it was apparently very popular in the New Orleans area. They of course. Lo- love a bit of spooky down there, <laughs> they don't love they? It. As for the popular custom of trick or treating, this is said to stem from the act of guising 
which is popular in parts of Scotland and Ireland. Essentially, guising is knocking on somebody's door and performing a trick, telling a joke or some other type of amusement in exchange for some fruit or something sweet. We've done something about that on the Christmas episode. Yeah, there is another part of that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't written down, but yeah, there is a, a Christmassy element yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, that was also the uh, the Welsh Wales, one, yeah. the Welsh one with the horse's head. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember. There's name. a person on our Twitter who always draws them, and yeah, yeah, we'll share that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First, this trick or treating has been likened to the festivities of All Souls Day, which falls on the second of November. A day which historically saw mostly children take to the streets and beg in exchange for gifts of food. The children would bestow prayers upon the behalf of whoever they knocked on the door of, as the aim of this Christian day is to pray for the departed. The act was associated with Halloween in the early to mid-20th century, where it is said to have started in North America and quickly caught on in all other countries celebrating the holiday. I also read that after a woman in New York went mad in the 1960s, schools began to teach kids how to safely dispose of unwrapped treats and if possible only accept commercially wrapped items as it was claimed a woman, the woman in New York in the 60s, was giving out poisonous and ant killer infested cookies, dog poo wrapped in foil and other disgusting treats. I've heard that people put like razor blades in them. Mm, that, That was part of that film. Uh, Was that razor blades? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Obviously, that isn't right, but I can almost guarantee nobody ever went back to her house for Halloween, which was probably her aim. So now we have a bit more of a background on the origins of Halloween. What better way to celebrate the day than to listen to some horror stories? Woo! I'm going to start off with a Sawin-related story and move on to another type of story that I personally enjoy and will hopefully make your Halloween even scarier. I love Halloween. If I'm you, very if you, glad. If you come into our house, it's Halloween most of the time. <laughs> it's, ha- it's Halloween all the time. I'm pretty sure there's a Blink-182 lyric in there somewhere. There's a Halloween... I mean, there's a Blink-182 poster. That, well, not a poster, but a Halloween quote. Um, and also, we've got a candle downstairs that I'm lighting tonight called All Hallows' Eve. I know it's not All Hallows' Eve, but it's massive, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get a good dint into it tonight and then we'll... we'll Oh yeah, no one really knows that because we haven't mentioned it. it's not fucking Halloween today as we're speaking. Oh, well, is as it? we're recording, but when this comes out, <laughs> it'll be Halloween. <laughs> You're speaking to the people like they know exactly what day it is. Every day is Halloween in this house. Yeah, it is. And on our bedroom wall, we've got a um, Morticia Gomez quote about Halloween as well. We've also got the Adams family animated to be ourselves. Yeah. So that's and the we've thing. got pumpkins in like every room. <laughs> We've got real ghosts in the spare room. <laughs> Let's hear about your That's just not an, like an aesthetic for the house. That, that, <laughs> that, we didn't choose that bit. So this first story is entitled The Night Rider. Ooh. Daylight was growing short and a tension in the air signified that the veil was thinning. Sarwin was upon us. There was still much preparation to be completed. Windows to be boarded doors to be locked, and of course the bonfires that sat on the border of the village needed to be lit. We do this every year, the same routine, but a bit more ferociously each time, trying to learn from our mistakes and better protect our homes. You can feel the anxious tone in the people's movements when this time of year rolls around. They know what is coming, yet all we can do is build bigger fires and fit sturdier locks. With all the preparations being made, 
The dirt road that ran right through the middle of the village has turned to a muddy slush. Squelching underfoot of the residents hurrying to their homes and loved ones while we still have a slither of sunlight gracing us, protecting us. There was a crackling sound that began to ring from all around. That will be all the dried wood being set alight. We have been told by the elders that this will stop anything from getting into the village, giving us a warm glow and a nightlight for so long as the flame can carry on burning. It hasn't helped before, but maybe that was us. Maybe we didn't build the fires large enough to ward off those who were able to cross over on this night. The irony isn't lost on us. A festival to celebrate the end of summer and the transition into the dark part of the year. Yet, for us, there is no celebration, though there is darker days ahead. Sunlight is now on the very brink of disappearing. The village church rings its bells frantically in a bid to warn the couple of hundred residents to return to their homes immediately before it's too late. The underfoot squelch of the mudded road intensifies. People are running to their sanctuary. Ensuring that their simple yet proud homes are secured and theoretically impenetrable, it may not matter. From my own window, I have a peephole vantage point, a splint in the wooden shutter that allows me to view out into the main, now swamp-like road. Although the sun has now been gone for around 15 minutes, the amber hue that dances from the numerous bonfires is giving some inconsistent light. Just enough for me to make out the dark stone houses that line the road, tightly compacted together in a show of solidarity. Yet the whole place felt eerily quiet. The life had been taken from it. A few weeks prior, the village would have been bustling, people conversing, trading and enjoying an ale from the tavern after returning home from the fields. But this was a different place. One with a tangible fear that contaminated the air. I can't quite make it out, but just beyond the end of the row of houses, past the entrance to the village, is the entrance to the forest. For most of the year, it's an enchanting place, mostly visited by children playing and hunters gathering game to sell in the village. But now, tonight specifically, I could not think of anything worse than to visit that place. My limited view is restricted to the main entrance of the village, just where one of the bonfires is. And I am glad of it. I don't want to know what is going on outside the boundaries of my homestead. Not tonight. My family are gathered by the fireplace. There is a pot steaming away above a small fire, preparing an evening meal, or maybe trying to make the whole evening feel a bit more normal. But it isn't. You can see in the faces of my two parents, worry and concern is something that I have seen in them before. But this was different, more intense. Perhaps dread and fear is more fitting. My younger brother, Alfie, sits at the foot of my father's stool. He is only a few years old, yet can sense the mood that has swept across the whole village. He may not understand what is going on, but he knows that something is not right. My mother tends to the pot and fire, keeping it small enough to ensure that any crackling is quiet, but large enough to ensure that we can eat tonight. The whole village is likely doing the same trying to pass the evening in some sort of normality, yet fully knowing that that is impossible. I squint back through the gap in my shutter. All is the same, quiet, still. Hours of mundanity pass. 
I take frequent breaks from my watch post to readjust my eyes to the darkness of the room I am sat in before looking back out onto the landscape. A scene illuminated by the tall bonfires that were still raging at the edge of the village. The dancing flames became sort of entrancing, making it hard to break my gaze. I could feel a tiredness washing over me as I sat in the same spot I hadn't left for a number of hours, my eyelids beginning to flutter back and forth as I fought off the enticing invitation of sleep, an invitation that was being given as a result of complacency as the night was wearing on and nothing had happened yet. I let it take over, only for what I thought was just a second, but in reality it could have been a few hours. Waking with a startle, I resumed my post, peering out on my vantage point to look upon the village and ensure its safety. But what would I do if something were to happen? What could any of us do? The tales from each year vary. Some warn of a horse and rider coming to the village from an unknown origin. They will parade up and down the main street, inspecting each home carefully. Others say it is a raiding party, using the village as a thoroughfare and all we are trying to do is avoid their wrath as they move on through. All we know is, each year, somebody in the village is called out by name. Once that name has been called, that person's fate is sealed. They will not survive the night. Flames from the protective fires were now beginning to fade, getting lower to the ground and making it difficult to focus on the horizon. I tried my best to maintain eye contact when I noticed a figure emerging from the other side of the bonfires. It was somewhat familiar, but once it had scaled the flames with a gallop and prance, I could confirm some of the villagers' rumours and more. The figure was on horseback. The beast was a deathly black colour, almost standing out from the dark night sky around it. What was more concerning were the eyes of the horse, blood red. The type of eyes that feel that they were piercing right through you. As for the rider, they wore what looked like elegant clothing with parts of body armour adorning various bits of their body. A sword was very visibly holstered to their left hip, but as I moved my attention upward, the horror intensified. Following the torso up to the neck, I found it was supporting nothing. The rider was headless. It was then I noticed that the rider reached behind his back with his right hand, gripping the reins of this hellish stallion with his left. Raising that right hand to the sky, the rider revealed a head. Gripping it by the locks of curled hair, the facial details were indistinguishable, but it was undeniably a head. Most likely, theirs. They moved up and down the main streets of the village. The strides were slow and thoughtful, as though they were looking for something or someone. At this stage, I think most of the village was asleep, blissfully unaware of the unwelcome guest we had. What did they want? My mind broke back to that rumour of a lone rider coming into the village, looking to call out a name. Surely they can't be real. I watched from my cover as the horse strode to the end of the road, turning back on itself and walking back towards my position, but this time focusing on the houses on the other side of the street. With each step I was expecting it to stop, it squelched through the muddy roadway, reaching the centre of the village, becoming stationary parallel to my home. That rumour began to fly around my mind. Could they be looking for someone? 
Someone who won't see tomorrow. The horse became stationary. Seconds passed and the blood-red eyes of the beast began to wander around the landscape. It turned its head to the left, seemingly looking directly at me. My heart was in my mouth. I was terrified yet fixed in my position. Then the voice came. A deep, harrowing voice that seemed to echo round the village as though heard as a thought in each person's head. It said only one word. Alfie. So was the reader called Alfie then? The voice of the person? Yeah, yeah. No, Alfie was the younger brother. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, It reminded me of, you know, the village that we watched, the film. Oh yeah. At first it reminded me of that, like when they were saying about it. But then when it got more into like it was a headless horn, horn. Headless Horseman, I started thinking of Sleepy Hollow, which I'm not sure if you've seen, the one with Johnny Depp in. No, but that is, it, it, obviously, Headless Horseman is, yeah. is synonymous with many parts or many different horror films and programs yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But this Night Rider story is based on the Sarwin folklore of the Dullhallen, which is essentially a headless horseman who wanders the land looking for victims. Apparently, it can be warded off by gold. Oh. But you will want to ward him off. Because if you do happen to see him, you will be blinded. Because oh. you will be blinded when that headless horseman takes out your eyes with its whip. And its whip is made of a human spine. Yep. How? <laughs> <laughs> because it's a headless horse. Do you need any more explanation? But if you see a headless horseman, doesn't he kill, cut your head off anyway? So wouldn't you be blind anyway? Is that what he's done to his horse? The horse isn't blind. Yeah, but he's got blood red eyes. It's like a, a, an, an, an incarnation of the devil. Uh, oh, 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 okay. Evil. I like that story, though. It was really good. Thanks. <laughs> so, it's re- the, the headless horse is also represented in different cultures. So, in Germany, a similar headless figure is said to blow a trumpet to warn hunters not to go out. And if they ignore that warning, that trumpet, mm-hmm. and they do go out, they will die on that trip. Oh, Really? I don't know if that's a fact, but that, that, that's how it is. <laughs> I never heard that, though. That's how it goes. So I've got one more story. I've, I'm only reading two stories on this one because it's quite, they are quite long yeah, stories. Yeah, that was a nice story. It was it was long, but it, was like, it wasn't like dauntingly long. It was good. So this next story is entitled Never Leaving. Ooh. Our next story is one that may pull on the heartstrings of many but it still has that element of paranormal Aww. to spook up your Halloween. Don't, because I cry at everything. I don't think you'll cry. Okay. You'll, well, be, get... you'll be okay. Okay. It is the comfy. mid... <laughs> <laughs> Feel like I need a cuppa. <laughs> <laughs> cup of gin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink gin. Fuck off. <laughs> right, I'm starting the story now. You com- okay. You comfortable? Yeah, one sec. I'm comfy now. I just haven't got my cup up. Excellent. Well. Well, you know what the kettle is, don't you? (laughs) It is the mid-20th century. Judy, a teenage farmer's daughter, is getting to that age where a parent's rural farm isn't quite providing the same excitement and enjoyment as she once felt. She wants to get out there, visit the town more often, socialise with people of her own age and generally begin to carve her own personality. For years, her parents have kept her under a watchful eye, giving her acres upon acres of space to play and grow in, But that part of Judy's life was coming to an end, and the next chapter beginning. Resentfully, 
but understanding to an extent, Judy's parents allowed their worshipped daughter to begin venturing to their local town to spend time with her school friends. She enjoyed herself, and there was some consolidation to her parents that their daughter was happy, albeit with that niggling feeling that they weren't the child's entire world anymore. It was during these trips into town that Judy met Eric. Eric was a little older than she was. He worked in the town's hardware store, ran by his uncle. He and Judy hit it off instantly. When she would visit on the weekends, they would always meet up, go for coffee, walks in the park, generally spending time together and enjoying each other's company. A number of months of this had passed and Judy began to think about potentially introducing Eric to her parents. She thought about how they had become more lenient of late, allowing that bit more freedom and how they went so far as to let her integrate into regular society. The meeting wasn't arranged. Judy was to surprise her parents at their home by inviting Eric back to meet them. Eric had agreed to meet her parents and was somewhat excited to be taking their relationship to the next stage and becoming official. Yet, when he heard whom Judy's parents were, the apprehension in his demeanour was tangible. Eric was clearly uneased, but put on a brave face through the ordeal and followed through with his promise to meet Judy's parents. The day came, a mild, still Saturday afternoon. The sky was invaded by a siege of grey clouds that stood stagnant. Autumn was taking a grip and providing a chilled air as Judy and Eric opened the doors of his car to get out, Eric's gaze completely fixed on the farmhouse. Creaking, the front door of the ageing structure edged open. First to emerge onto the driveway was Judy's mother. She gave a kind face to her approaching daughter, but once her attention shifted to Eric, the softness in her persona seemed to dissipate. This was further supported by the arrival of Judy's father, who, when it came to the outside world, never really had any other look on his face other than a seething, deep-lying anger. The encounter was brief and the surprise unwelcome. Judy's parents made their feelings very clear with regards to Eric and in no uncertain terms strongly advised him to remove himself and his old Ford off their land. Furthermore, they made it abundantly clear that Judy was to no longer see Eric and that their relationship was now finished. But to the two youngsters, this could not be. Eric would catch Judy in school when he could, and as she was no longer permitted to go into town of a weekend, this was the only chance they got to see each other. These fleeting encounters weren't enough though, and a plan was hatched for Eric to visit Judy on an almost nightly basis. How would they achieve this? under the cover of darkness. As the sun set, Eric prepared to set the plan in motion. He jumped into his car with a sense of excitement and optimism that he and Judy's love couldn't be strangled by her parents' disdain. He was to drive to the border of the family's farm and flash the headlights twice. Judy knew that by the time he arrived, her parents should be in bed and she could easily sneak out as she had done many times before as a child. The hour was growing late when Eric arrived. As agreed, two flashes of the high beams brashly illuminated the landscape. Judy got her cue and fled through the field of tall grass to meet Eric. Hopping in the passenger seat, the couple quietly retreated back to the town to enjoy their secretive date. They visited a restaurant, saw a movie, 
and had a long walk, giving them a chance to speculate on their futures and how they saw their lives intertwining. Just before the reverse trip was to be made and Judy was to sneak back into her parents' home, Eric told her of a party that was due to be held for Halloween and that he would be honoured if she could join him, which of course Judy gleefully accepted. It had worked. The young couple had pulled off their heist of passion, allowing further confidence to pull off the same stunt on what became an almost nightly basis. That was until almost two weeks after the first nighttime meeting. On the 13th night, all was going as usual. Judy saw the two flashes of headlights, but as she strolled her usual path through the field of tall grass, there was a third flash of light. A flash that was accompanied by a harrowing bang. Her heart sank. She didn't know what, but she knew something terrible had happened. Sprinting the rest of the way, Judy's heart entered her mouth as she exited the tall grass and came across Eric's car in the usual spot, but this time with her father perched on one side, peering in, examining his handiwork. Trespassing was the explanation he gave Judy, the explanation given for shooting Eric point-blank, his body in the driver's seat of the car, motionless, lifeless. Judy's father then began to rub salt in the wounds of his already horrendous act. He exclaimed that he was going to bury the body on the farmland so that Eric would never again be found. Further to that, the old Ford was going to be burnt. Fires on a farm are commonplace, as is shooting vermin during the dark hours. Nobody will suspect a thing. What was Judy to do? Her moral dilemma of wanting to report her father to the police was swept away by the fact that she was no longer allowed to leave the house at all, kept prisoner by her loving yet very clearly controlling parents, parents that didn't want her not to need them, that wanted to keep her all to themselves. Her life was miserable. Mourning the loss of Eric, she had nobody to console in, nobody to talk to. Each night that passed, Judy would find herself staring out into the inky autumn nights that were getting colder and colder as they began to give way to winter. That brief relationship that had meant so much to her, cruelly taken away by somebody who was meant to care for her. The nights passed until the 31st of October rolled around, the night she was meant to attend Eric's party with him, a chance to socialise like a normal person snatched from her. Judy sat at the window, gazing out as she often did now, a deep pain permanently residing within her. On the horizon, just past the field of tall grass, where she once waited anxiously for Eric to arrive, she fixed her sight on nothing. Emptiness. Judy was staring at this point. She wasn't blinking and her mind didn't seem to be thinking about anything. She was simply existing. When something sparked her attention back to the present, two flashes of light, Judy immediately snapped back into the moment and focused in on the source. It was from just past the field of tall grass, Eric's spot. She descended the exterior of the house, moving as fast as she could to get to that place, knowing deep down that she had saw Eric that night, her father caught him, knowing it couldn't be him. But what if it was? 
Judy's irrational mind allowed her to believe that thought as she sprinted out of the grass and into the opening to find nothing, no sign of anyone or anything. A deflated Judy scrambled for evidence to the contrary, but nothing was found. She eventually admitted defeat, heading back to the farmhouse for another night of restless sleep, likely caused by the encapsulating thoughts of the source of that light that she was so certain she had saw. The following night arrived. Judy was to be found in her same position, staring out of the window, except tonight this was with more intent, more alert than she had been. She was looking for the return of the phantom lights she had saw the previous night. Hours passed by. Still darkness was all that could be found outside. Yet there Judy sat, hoping for a sign. A sign that was eventually given. Two successive lights that were shone from the same position where Eric would meet Judy. This continued night after night. And some say Judy didn't ever leave the farmhouse despite the heinous act of her father but it wasn't her parents that kept her there it was the two flashes of light that would appear from just beyond the field of tall grass each night showing Judy that although he was not alive Eric was still with her oh was that based on a Stephen King novel or short story no oh because there's a film, I haven't watched it or read it, but I don't know if it, I think it's on Netflix. There's a film called In the Tall Grass, and that's by Stephen, a Stephen King short story, I think. So I, when you were saying In the Tall Grass, I was thinking, is he going to, like, is he going to say it's about by Stephen King? But mm. No, it wasn't. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that, that story? It dad was a cunt, wasn't he? Yeah, so I guess the the basis of it was the the parents very controlling parents. You've got this child; they want to protect it from the outside world. You think they're probably doing right, but yeah. they just he, they got too cocky though. She should have. They shouldn't. Have, he shouldn't have flashed because that gives it away. Really, that's it. What what are the signs you give though? You it, know, like I don't know, making we I don't know mid twentieth century. They, they haven't got mobile phones. Get be there this time at this certain place. If you're not there, then. We're not going on our day. Plus, they shouldn't. They're trying to be in like, in um, hiding. They went for a movie and a restaurant. That's not really hiding. That's but the parents don't go to the town. Oh God, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, but oh yeah, because people wouldn't even say obviously in Judy because Did the you, parents don't. Yeah, go. exactly. Um, I get that the parents want to protect her, but they've done more harm than it was good because she's ruined her life now. She's just there sitting there, just waiting for two lights. Hmm every night but I would it, do the same it gives us some comfort yeah well, if it was you and my dad killed you I would sit there and watch for them two lights forever until I died but my voice broke up then <laughs> but I don't know I just a dad was a cunt <laughs> I can't I can't I actually did think I mean I said if it was you dying I got upset then I wouldn't want to think that don't oh, die oh, okay I don't, um, don't plan on it Oh, what I was saying? Um, Why is he so emotional? I did say that was going to be an emotional story, but I didn't think it'd have that effect. I liked the story. The story was good. It was only I thought something was going to happen. I thought like she was going to go into the tall grass and then she was going to 
be one with the grass and then be with him. Like, I thought she was going to go into the tall grass and never come out. I think out. I've seen that film. Yeah, I, f- I don't know if we have seen uh, it. Yeah, no, the- there's something in the grass yeah. that people keep going in for some reason. Because they keep it annoying. Yeah, it's they? one of them really annoying films where the people keep going into yeah, the grass. Yeah. You're like, why the fuck do you keep going yeah. in if people keep disappearing? Yeah, we have seen it. Yeah, I've seen that film. It was a good film. No, it wasn't that story. But that's what I was thinking was going to happen. I thought she was going to end up, when the lights flashed, I thought one day she's going to go in the grass and then she's going to... come out. Yeah. That's what I was hoping was going to happen, to be honest. <laughs> why? So she could be with her true love. Well, she was. That's why she didn't leave the place. But she wasn't really with them. Yeah, but she didn't. She doesn't. She, yeah, but he doesn't want her to die, does he? What? Well, look at Romeo and Juliet. They killed them each other for each other. Oh, fucking hell. I'll find an alternative ending, shall I? No, I liked it. I just thought it would have been more romantic if she'd have went into the grass with him. Okay, and they, yeah, okay, and they were there together forever. Okay. Yeah. Out of the two stories, which was your favourite? I liked the first one, but the second one evoked more emotion in me because it got a bit teary and like. My voice broke then, because I thought <laughs> about you. I, I'm i really soppy today, but I thought about, oh, if that happened to Josh, I'd be waiting for that light too. It's like Gatsby and Daisy and the green light. Okay, I'm going to swiftly just move on from that now. <laughs> Do you have any, because that was obviously the last of the two stories. <laughs> Do you have any sort of Halloween-esque stories or thoughts or, or yeah. encounters you'd like to... Do I? No, we like Halloween, but we our first, like first few Halloweens that we got together, our tradition was that we'd eat the trick or treaters sweets and watch the tree houses of horror, the can Simpsons. You, excuse me, can you just go back? Um, do you mean we did? We still do. No, but our, it started our tradition, okay. like the way like we love. I like Halloween anyway, but you started liking Halloween when we used to eat the trick or treaters sweets and we used to watch the tree house of horror. Yeah. But now we branch out a bit. We do still eat the sweets, but we watch horror films now. Mm. It's weird though, isn't it? Because when we first got together, there was trick-or-treating was more popular. Yeah. There was a lot more of it. Yeah, loads used to knock on the door, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and nowadays, and probably quite rightly, it it's a lot less common. When we first got together, your little brother was still trick-or-treating. <laughs> I know, yeah. I told him to stop. You, I was listen. You're 21. You need to stop that now. <laughs> He's not. He's no. gonna make him like 40. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was a, a child and single digit in age at that time. Um, but yeah, you do only get like sort of neighbours' kids and yeah. people who know you who have kids. Do you know around. whose house to go to, which I think is. It's probably best it's in this day and age. Now, yeah. Yeah. They mostly all do parties and stuff now. Yeah. Um. Like, loads of pubs by us were doing parties yesterday, on the Saturday, for families. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good to... I like the way everyone gets into it. Yeah. And it, no one annoys me, though, because you can tell people that don't know, like, horror stuff. And, like, there's this girl on my Facebook. I don't really know her, but she dressed her kid as It. Like, the It from Pennywise from the newer films. Mm. And I was like, your kid doesn't have a clue what that is. Why have you dressed them as that? It's not going to be scared. The kid's going to be scared, but you don't even know what it is. You've probably not even watched it. You've seen it on Facebook or something. That's a fantastic idea. What? I'm going to dress as Pennywise, and I'm going to get our nephew to wear a little yellow raincoat. Oh! <laughs> oh, and like a little red balloon. Yeah, and I was chasing around all day. You do that anyway. You chase him around all day anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's what I mean. No, but you might have to... Next year, you'll be a bit older, so you probably have to put our niece in the yellow 
thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> she'll be running then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Good yeah. Plan. Good plan. Or Loki. You can put Loki. Yeah. I chased Loki around. You chased Loki around. You did. I know. Because um, he was so sad because we went, both went out. <laughs> we, we are adults and have to work and stuff. I know. We, you were working. I went out to my nans and that. But he was so sad that we both left him. You went to a bloody Halloween breakfast hosted mm. by my brother that I didn't get to go to because I was working. It was boss. There was Costco cookies. Costco cookies. And he had these little donuts that were orange, like painted orange, and they were like a pumpkin, but they were donuts. But I didn't know I didn't know what they were, and I got them, and I was like, oh, God, what is it? But it was nice. <laughs> anyway, they're from Costco, too. Tan- tangent. <laughs> What's your favourite part of Halloween? Do you know... I don't really like pumpkin picking or carving a pumpkin. I don't like the feel inside when you have to get all the guts out the pumpkin. And pumpkin picking was a bit crap, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's got very glamorised. Yeah. Very glamorised for the Instagram people. I liked it because we went with our nephew last year, but I, they put them on the field though, don't they? They're not there. The farmers placed them. Yeah, I, I I know some places do that, but yeah. they grow like off onto the grass anyway, don't they? Yeah, but, but now I don't I don't like that. The, my favorite part is like seeing all like the little spooky stuff in the shop, getting like like even like you get like spooky crumpets and stuff like that. I love that and like pumpkin spice lattes. I just love I love horror films anyway, so I love that like loads of horror films come out at this time. I love that it's getting darker. I love that I don't yeah. have to really socialize. I can just put a little blanket on, little cup of tea. You don't really have to socialize. You don't socialize anyway. I do a little bit. Okay. But yeah. I just love, I love horror films. I love spookiness. I love that everyone like joins in on the spookiness. So like all. Instagram accounts that aren't really spooky, they'll start posting stuff that are about a spooky and yeah. I just like that everyone joins in. It's just like a little yeah, I just love it. I love spooky things and I love that everyone loves them for a bit. So what we learned today is Emma is quite emotional and she loves spooky things, as she's just said, at but least I, forty times. I don't have a horror story of Halloween. But I do remember my favourite Halloween. I don't know where it was. but I mean, I don't know where it was. I can't remember the party. But me and my mum and my dad went to a party and then we came home and we went to Chippy on the way back. And we got a portion of chips and my dad got me a sausage. And, he, you know, because you do it now, you wrap it up and you like so we can eat it when we're walking home. Yeah, you could have a snack for your way home. Yeah, well, me, that's that's the first time I had it. My dad walked, me and my dad and my mum walked home with chips and like we cut a little bit out the bottom and just ate the chip. Oh, it was boss. Loved it. That was my favourite Halloween ever. I was dressed <laughs> as a cat, I think. <laughs> Original. <laughs> no, I wasn't. It was a bin bag witch with a hat and then like little fingers and a broomstick. <laughs> I miss when you could just dress as a bin bag. Yeah, it was cheaper. <laughs> Life was just better. Have you got a Halloween memory or story? Yeah, I've got two. I've just told you them. No, like personal. No, not really. <gasps> Your mum, well, you it was your party, but your mum done like a spread, like of a dead body. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Like she put all the food out, like it was guts, and yeah, that was yeah, good. it was like in the, in this, it was on a dining table, and like there, there was like a, I guess a skeleton, mm. but it was made out to be like a what do you call it? Not mortuary table. What is it, what's it called? Um, like a butcher's table. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was good. What do you like about Halloween? Well, then we'll, we'll finish. Fucking hell, do we have a chance? 
You haven't got any time. I love Halloween, guys. The airwaves have just been totally <laughs> taken up by you ranting about I Halloween. Um, I like how things are getting darker earlier. The uh, no pisses me off about this time of year. Mm. The sun. Yeah, because it glares on the road, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets in your eyes. Yeah. Other than that, love everything else about it. I like it being dark when I wake up. You I like, like the, it being dark when I get home. You like the trick-or-treaters sweets. <laughs> I like the trick-or-treaters sweets. I don't like the trick-or-treaters unless they no. are related to me. I do like them. I love seeing them. Do you know what? Once, though, this is my last thing. I was dressed up as Morticia Adams and I had like proper like, white face paint on. I know I'm really, really pale anyway. I had a wig on and everything. I was dressed up as ready to go to a party mm. and a little girl knocked on the door and I was like, oh, hi. And she was all dressed up and giving me sweets and she was like, are you meant to be dressed up? I was like, whoa. Yeah, I'm Morticia. And she was like, who's give me, that? Give me that Twix back, bitch. And they were full-size ones as well because we forgot to get them so we had to get like a six-pack. so i think that's a great place to uh some consumer advice there make sure you get your multi-pack of sweets before they all sell out otherwise you're gonna get six pack of twixes but then you run out earlier so you don't have to open the door anymore (laughs) harder work when you start eating them though because you're gonna open more packets but you know it's it's Mm. it's a trial and tribulation i will get through yeah it's it's worth it end result on that most definitely so we're going to go watch a horror film now with our spooky jammies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We hope you have a fantastic Halloween. Happy whatever Halloween. Whatever you are doing, even or, if you aren't celebrating or sawing. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Or that one. Happy Halloween. Thank you very much for listening. Oh, yeah. All the social media stuff. Um, you can connect with us on social media. Tell us about your Halloween. Let us know what you're doing. We are on Instagram at Across the Cemetery and X and TikTok at AX the Cemetery. And if you'd like to leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to us on, that would be very beneficial for the podcast and we'd love to hear what you think. And also, you can email us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, bye. Bye.